Well, the book of Acts has a very strange ending. This book that we call, well, we don't call it, but many people call it the fifth gospel. uh, The continuing ministry of Jesus on earth through the church by the Spirit. It's Dietrich Bonhoeffer who calls the church the physical manifestation of Christ on earth. But here's how the book of Acts ends uh, with Paul under house arrest in Rome. It says in chapter 28, verse 30, He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, this is Paul, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's how the book of Acts ends, literally with that word in the original language, unhindered. And I believe that has a double meaning. I think it's speaking to Paul's present circumstances, even though it would seem like being under house arrest would be kind of a hindrance to the gospel preaching, and yet he was able to preach freely in whatever context that looked like. But that idea of unhindered really is the summary of the book of Acts, when you think about it, the explosion of the Spirit's work in this world. That there really is nothing that can ultimately stop the spread of the good news. As we see even in the most closed off countries in this world, the gospel like water just finds a way in. It penetrates even the most closed off places. And here we are in Austin, Texas. Uh, 2,000 years later, we are on the receiving end of this unhindered message. God continues to write new chapters in this church here in Austin, Texas, in the place where we are right now. And God has been at work for some time. So I've been immersed in a lot of history of this church over the last few weeks as part of my project, looking at the history of Brentwood Oaks. I'm discovering many things. For instance, did you know that we just turned 70? On September the 14th of this year, we turned 70 years old. So in 1952, September 14th, 60 Christians gathered together at Brentwood Elementary School. It was Brentwood Church of Christ back then. We didn't become Brentwood Oaks until we moved up to this location. Uh, The Valley Oaks Golf Course is what it used to be, and we combined those terms. I'm using we because it's part of our, our history here. 70 years old. I don't know about you, but I think that deserves a cake. (laughs) Missed our opportunity. But the Spirit's been active here for 70 years, and I'm learning more and more about this as I dive in. And really, the questions that are before us are the same questions that were before the generations a few years ago, a few generations ago. Who are we as a people? Where is the Spirit leading this church at this juncture, at this moment here in Austin, Texas? Well, we're going to explore that a little more this morning in this series called Can't Live Without Them. It is going to connect, hopefully, as we think about the mission that God's entrusted to us, we need help. We need other people as this graphic displays, the hand reaching down, pulling up someone else. That's really a picture of the church. We can't do this by ourselves. We can't walk through lives, our lives by ourselves. We need others. We need 
others to walk alongside us and help us to become the people that God has called us to be. And this morning, uh, we're going to continue. We've looked at this list of names thus far in this series. Nathan, the truth teller, Jonathan, the true friend, Mordecai, the challenger, Timothy, the protege, Barnabas, the encourager, Paul, the mentor, Deborah, the calming presence, Zacchaeus, the reject. Last week, we cheated a bit. We moved away from the series, but we talked about the Corinthians and how without the Corinthians, without their messed up view of the body of Christ and the Lord's Supper and what it means to be a church, we really wouldn't know what Paul thought about the Lord's Supper. But this morning, we turn our attention to Paul's second missionary journey in Acts chapter 16. If you want to turn to Acts 16, uh, this is really where Stan camped out for a couple of weeks this summer. We're going to revisit a lot of what he said. But Paul's missionary journey, if we can pull up that map... If you look at the city on the east coast of the Great Sea, you'll see Antioch. And that's where Paul and Barnabas had their uh, home base. But then they had a split. And so Paul takes Silas and they work their way through Asia. And uh, they pick up Timothy and Lystra and pick up Luke along the way. And it looks like a nice smooth line there. But when you read Acts chapter 16 verses 1 through 5... And 6 through 10, it's a little more bumpy. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot more zigzagging going on with Paul and Silas because they, they want to go to one city, but the Spirit prevents them from going. And then they want to go to another city, but the Spirit of Christ prevents them from going. And essentially, the Spirit is driving them to the coast, to Troas. And I'm convinced that Paul has really no intention of going over that channel and into Greece. I think Paul wants to go to Ephesus, and uh, we'll have to ask him one day about that. But in Troas, he has the Macedonian call, this man of Macedonia, a vision, this man pleading for help. Come over to Greece, Paul, we need some help. And Paul and his team answer the Macedonian call. They go to Greece. But as it turns out, the first person to receive the good news is not the man of Macedonia. It's the woman of Thyatira who happens to be in the city of Philippi. So let's hear the word of God from Acts 16, beginning in verse 11. So setting sail from Troas, we... And we're switching to first-person plural here in the book of Acts. Luke is with them. We made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized... 
and her whole household as well, she urged us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, if I had to do this series all over again, I would have Zacchaeus and Lydia back-to-back. And for Zacchaeus, I would have used the great American poet Garth Brooks as my guide. I have friends in low places. When you think about Zacchaeus being the reject, Jesus had friends in low places. In fact, this is what got Jesus in trouble with the elite, the religious establishment. Uh, Jesus hung out with sinners. He hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes, and this didn't sit well with the way things were done. This upset the order. And throughout the Gospels, and really throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus calling the church to stay connected to the rejects. The church needs to have friends in low places. But on the other end of the spectrum, there are the Lydias in Scripture. Friends in high places. Everyone needs a Lydia. Everyone needs a VIP. A very important person. Have you ever been on the receiving end of a VIP? Have you ever found yourself in a place where you looked around and say, Yeah, I don't really belong here, but all of a sudden I have access. I remember it well. In October of 2018, a member of this church invited Roger and me to to go here in T. Wright in Houston, Texas. N.T. Wright is a British scholar, and uh, Roger and I are both fans of N.T. Wright. I don't agree with everything he says, but uh, he's had a, a profound influence on me, and I couldn't believe it. I'm going to go see N.T. Wright. And I had envisioned going to this venue, or the member of this church had connections to the host of this facility. And I imagined we would show up, sit in the back of a room, and we would hear Tom Wright talk and then come back to Austin. That's not what happened. The first 15 minutes were on a tour of this facility, and then all of a sudden, Roger and I were led to a back room, along with the member of this church, and... There are five people in this back room, including N.T. Wright. And we introduce ourselves and shake hands. And then we found ourselves in this room with about 25 people, and we had a lunch together. And there were all these scholars. And we went around the room, and we introduced ourselves and told what we were doing. And I happened to be sitting next to a man... He's the leading New Testament scholar in South Korea. And he started to talk about his research and talked about the book that he had just written. And then it came to my turn. And I said, I preach at the Brentwood Oaks Church of Christ in Austin. Oh, Roger and I had a lot of fun that day. We made a deal. I'm not saying it was my idea or his idea, but it was mine. We decided that any time we were close to N.T. Wright, the other person would take a picture. Here's one of Roger and his best friend, N.T. Wright. (laughs) 
they were best friends until N.T. Wright found a new best friend in the next picture. If you notice, he's not looking at me. He's not talking to me. We are not even... He was very gracious and down to earth, but uh, I could make up any story I wanted to about this. Well, I, I treasure so much about that day, but that day wouldn't have happened without a VIP. Uh, that day wouldn't have happened without someone who had access and connections. Uh, that day wouldn't have happened without having friends in high places. And I'm very grateful for that. You know, in thinking of the early church, in reading the New Testament, there's a narrative that I think many of us carry, and I carry it, and that is that the the early church was really the island of misfit toys. It was a group of rejects, the poor, the shepherds, the fishermen, the prostitutes, a whole host of sinners, people who are on the outside looking in. And most assuredly, uh, the church was that. But when we read the Gospels and when when we read the epistles, we discover that there were also quite a few VIPs. I'll name a few. As much as uh, tax collectors were rejected amongst the Jewish people, they held a lot of power, a lot of sway in the Roman world. So you think of Matthew, the tax collector. You think of Zacchaeus the chief tax collector. There was Simon the Zealot. There was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They hosted the disciples. They hosted Jesus often. You have that disciple in the Gospel of John who was able to let Peter into the courtyard where the trial of Jesus was. If you recall, Peter was trailing, trying to be there with Jesus, and he couldn't get in. A fisherman? To go into that court scene, no, he needed someone who knew the high priest, the disciple, to let him in the door. Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, Barnabas. Uh, Last week we looked at the story of uh, what was taking place in Corinth, and obviously there were wealthy people there. There was Priscilla and Aquila, there was Stephanus. Uh, Paul mentions a name in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 23, Erastus. The city treasurer. That sounds like a VIP. Well, when we think about what Paul was being asked to do whenever he answered the Macedonian call, going into uncharted territory with few connections, if any, bringing this message that was on the one hand foolishness to the Gentiles, and on the other hand, a stumbling block to the Jews, this message of a crucified and risen Messiah... Paul needed some help. Paul needed some connections, resources. Paul needed a woman like Lydia. Lydia was doing quite well. She was a seller of purple goods. She's wealthy. Uh, The fact that she had a house and a household probably meant that she was a widow. But here's a woman with connections. Here's a woman with a house. Here's a woman with whom God had been working on her. She was a God-fearer, which was a special category of people there, like Cornelius. They weren't Jews, but they were Gentiles who worshipped God. They didn't practice all the dietary restrictions. The men who were God-fearers would not be circumcised. That was a stumbling block to them, but they worshipped. And just like Cornelius, 
Lydia had devoted herself to prayer. and She's part of this group of women who went down to the river to pray. And they met Paul and his missionary team. And Paul begins to tell the women about Jesus. And Luke tells us that the Lord opened Lydia's heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And by the end of that conversation, she and her whole household was baptized. But Lydia was a person of importance. And Paul needed to be connected to a person of importance. He needed friends in high places. He needed a Lydia. He needed a VIP. We see this in Scripture. We see this today. God working through VIPs. So, a few weeks ago, Jeff Boyd told the story with Justin Hill of that time when the Hills and the Dyes down in San Luis agreed to host a conference for the judges of Brazil. And they said yes, not knowing what in the world they were getting their hands into. And they needed a lot of help. And God connected them to Jeff and to other justices, people in the justice system. God connected them to VIPs. They said yes, God supplied. I've been immersed in the history of this church over the last several weeks. And I've been reading about all the ministries and all the facilities and all the mission work and the building of Brentwood Christian School and the Village Christian Apartments and we look around at this campus, all the buildings, and you look even at our most recent addition in there, the parlor, this new classroom, the, the space we have now. You think of the people who have come our way, who have come to faith through the different avenues of God working through this group of people. That doesn't happen without God supplying resources. That doesn't happen without God connecting the church to the Lydia's of the world. People with gifts, talents, resources, connections. People who have access to the decision makers, to the pocketbooks, resources. Now, of course, God can work outside of this. God doesn't need our help for anything. And yet, when we read the New Testament, and really when we think about our own experience, God works through people and the different connections that He supplies God supplies the church with VIPs. So do you know a VIP? Have you been connected to a VIP? There's one thing that caught my attention this week, and it comes in verse 15 of Acts chapter 16, something that's, well, I've glossed over it, but I think it's an important word for the church. So Lydia sees a clear need that Paul and his companions uh, are in desperate need for, and that's a home base. They need resources. So Lydia says, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay and remain. But it's that last part that's really surprising. The ESV says, She prevailed upon us. Some of your translations say, she persuaded us. I like Eugene Peterson's paraphrase in the message because it really gets to the sense of what's going on here. He says, we hesitated, but she wouldn't take no for an answer. 
I like that paraphrase because it speaks to both sides of the equation with VIPs. If Lydia had to persuade Paul and the missionary team, then there must have been some hesitation. There must have been some resistance. Why the hesitation? Well, who knows? Was it because Lydia was a woman there in the Greco-Roman world in that context, that particular context? Was it because Paul and the missionary team did not want to impose? Whatever the reason, clearly God was connecting Paul to a VIP. And Paul's resistance and ultimately his acceptance, I believe, has a word for us here at Brentwood Oaks. The truth of the matter is, when it comes to God's mission, all of us need a VIP. God has baked that into the cake. The church and her mission belong to God. And God equips, God raises up, God empowers people in the church to carry out that mission. God arranges the body, including the Lydia's among us. People with resources. And I hear two messages for Brentwood Oaks. The first message is for the VIPs among us. People with talents and skills and resources. And the message I hear is to make sure we place those talents and skills and resources in the right perspective. It is God who calls us to mission. It's God who equips those whom he calls and this means that there is a higher purpose to our resources that we've been entrusted with. That when we learn and we accumulate new skills and connections and monetary means and networking, we are but stewards of that which God has entrusted to us. And really the first question should be, how is God going to utilize whatever we've picked up? Will God give us the vision? to use that which he's entrusted to us. We don't bury our talents, as the parable says. We invest those talents in the kingdom. But the second message goes to the other side of the equation. Those who have been called to a mission. A mission that is beyond us. That is one of the consistent things that we see in Scripture. God calls us to things that uh, were really outside of our scope, outside of our power, and outside of our skills. Like Paul going to Macedonia with no connections. To carry out God's mission, we need help. And it's not always easy to ask for help. And I'm preaching to myself this morning. I've gotten a little better at this over the last three years, but I still need a lot of work. It's not easy to ask for help. It's not easy to admit that I can take this this far, and I really don't have the resources and skills to go beyond that. God has blessed the church, and it is a blessing with friends in low places. But most assuredly, God has also blessed the church with friends in high places. Is there a need, is there a mission that you're involved with where you've taken it about as far as you can? 
and you need some help. I hear God calling the church, on the one hand, to be less hesitant, if we are, to offer our resources on the one end, but on the other end, to be less hesitant about asking for help from the VIPs, from the people whom God has blessed and given resources to, opportunities to bless the church. We all need friends in high places. We all need VIPs. And so we add Lydia to the list of relationships that we need with the reminder that it is God, the church is God's project. This is all God's territory. The psalmist says in Psalm 24 that everything, everything in the earth belongs to God. We are but stewards and yet here at Brentwood Oaks, God has arranged the body. God has knit this group of people together as a church family to carry out the task and the mission that he's entrusted to us at this particular juncture, at this particular time. I wonder where God is calling us next. One thing that I'm confident of is wherever God is calling us, whatever God is calling us to do, God is going to supply us with what we need to carry out the mission. How sweet, how heavenly it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity in the church through Jesus Christ. If you would like to respond this morning to the good news of God's continuing work in this world, uh, the work that began at the beginning, uh, the work that found a new chapter in the arrival of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, crucified and risen. We are the redeemed people gathered around this table. And yet God's Spirit is active among us. We still have work to do until He comes. If you'd like to respond to that good news, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.